Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything going on in the world of sports. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. You know me, but you also know the co-host. He's here each and every single week. His name is Padawan J. Let me talk to you. Yeah, and we have a lot to talk about, period. This is going to be what we'd like to call a fusion episode of the ODPH. So we're going to give you a little bit of sports, a little pro wrestling, a little movies, TV, comics, and more. It's one show all crammed together because, well, life gets in the way, and Mm -hmm. we just like to define it as what pad? Reasons. But you, the listener, you get that extra bonus content because it's all under one stop shop. And then after the show... Well, we like to keep that conversation going all week. So, Pat, where does everybody head on over to? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over to the website. Jump in on all the social media accounts. We are everywhere that we can possibly be right now. There's a lot going on, so we're definitely swinging by threads, Blue Sky, Facebook, Instagram, X, Twitter, whatever it's called this week, TikTok. If we're not on there, we need to be on your site talking to you about everything going on with the show and everything that we should be talking about for next week. That's how it works. That's the conversation aspect, Pat. Yes. We also have a T-Public store, which had a great sale this week. Hey. And definitely shout out to everybody getting that ODPH swag. And I say it once, I'll say it a thousand times. It does not matter about when we sell it. It's just very cool to see it out and about when we're, you know, doing our non-podcast lives. Mm-hmm. Like seeing a lot of Parlay Club shirts. I love seeing that. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to get one and many, many other ideas for the holiday shopping season, hey, it's a perfect time to do it. So definitely yes. swing on over there. Also, check out the Patreon link, one tier, $2 a month, and bonus content is provided to them, which this month they will be getting the uh, – well, actually, they already had an episode this month, but for next month they get the Tom Craven, Scott Snyder interview. Hey. So we definitely have had that waiting since New York Comic Con. So the patrons get that. So if you want to hear the one and only Tom Craven from – the off-the-cuff brand, talk to the one of the greatest writers in comics. Boom, there it is. So one tier, $2 a month. And a lot of extra episodes, too, by the way. Also, we have a blog section where we have a lot of reviews coming up. In fact, we should have something coming up non-comic related. Well, it kind of is. Mm-hmm. But we'll talk about that in uh, the parting one-shots segment of the show. So if you want to stay tuned for that, also new comic book day reviews are always there as well. The directory. Pat, how many providers are we on? Uh, 130,000. So if you're not sure how to subscribe to the ODPH, we make it very simple. We have embedded players on there. You just hit subscribe, follow. You can listen to the episodes right there on your laptop, phone, wherever you are listening to the podcast. It's that easy to follow, subscribe, and definitely interact with us there. We also have a classified section, which has friends of the show, such as 3FN Podcast, Dragon Master Games, and Nerd Initiative, amongst many others. And there's a lot going on with Nerd Initiative that we can't talk about on air right now, but rest assured, a lot of content is coming your way, folks, before the end of the year. So if you want to find out more about that, simply click on all those links and find out what's going on there. 3FN's got a lot of stuff coming on as well, too. So it's a win-win-win-win, period. Also, we have a music section where you can find out where to go listen to the great music you hear on the ODPH from such groups as Brian Wolf and the Howlers. Also, Tom Jolu, Second Suitor, Floodlands, who has a new album coming out. So stay tuned for that. 
uh, shout at the robots, many, many others. Basically, if there's anything and everything it is, the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. And always remember on social media to use the hashtag ODPHpod. Kicking off this edition of the show, well, it is fall. It is a certain time of year, if you will, in the mm-hmm. land of sports. And there's one thing that is dominating the sports equinox as we are recording today. Yes. Now, Pat, what is a sports equinox? It is the one day of the year where the Major League Baseball, National Football League, the National Basketball Association, and the National Hockey League all have games on the same day. Yes. Is a crazy scenario to see unfold, but if you're a sports fan, you have to love it. But let's face it, when this season is in session, it dominates everything that is sports. And Pat, mm-hmm. what is that? The National Football League. Yes. So we have to recap Week Eight and give you our picks from locks and leaps. So let's get let's get started, Pat. Yeah. So we're going to start with one one of my locks. I chose the Kansas City Chiefs to beat the Denver Broncos because, well, Denver sucked, and well, Kansas City's been good. Apparently, Denver heard the show and heard, mm-hmm. heard the ish we've been talking about them because boy, did they show up to play in this game, beating uh, Kansas City by the final score of twenty four to nine. Uh, Russell Wilson, 12 of 19 for 114 yards passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Patrick Mahomes, 24 of 38 for 241 yards passing, no touchdowns, two interceptions. Isaiah Pacheo led Kansas City in rushing with eight carries, 40 yards, no touchdowns. Javante Williams led Denver in rushing with 27 carries, 85 yards, no touchdowns. Jerry Judy led Denver in receiving with uh, two catches, 50 yards, one touchdown. And Travis Kelsey led Kansas City in receiving with six catches, 58 yards, and no touchdowns. And while, yes, I know some people are going to make a lot about this game, oh, the flu game, Patrick Mahomes' flu game, that may that may have played a, a, part, mm-hmm. a part in it. I certainly have had flu-like symptoms myself. It's not fun. It's not easy to function. Uh, but irregardless, uh, flu ain't got nothing to do with the five turnovers uh, Kansas City gave up in yeah. this game. There is the two interceptions I mentioned. There were also three fumbles lost by Kansas City in this game. Sorry, but you turn the ball over five times no matter how you do it or what the numbers break down to. Uh, you're going to have a rough time with this game. And it's also worth noting Taylor Swift was not in attendance. Yeah, Taylor Swift, when she's in attendance, uh, they're 6-0 and this season. Taylor Swift, when she's not in attendance at these games, 0-2. Hmm. Stay tuned for more news about that. Yes. Maybe. I. You know, this team is very puzzling. Right now, it looks like they're, the offense is a little one-dimensional. It's Travis Kelsey and everybody else. Because uh, of the 24 completions, you had the 37 target. You had 37 targets. Uh, there, so you take out the six catches and nine targets from Kelsey. You know, you you then drop it down to like eighteen catches and then twenty uh, twenty six targets. You know, so it's like okay, it, it's very easy right now for defenses to scheme against the uh, Kansas City Chiefs guard Travis Kelsey mm. and force everybody else to beat you because none of these numbers are like, okay, Rasheed Rice, four catches, 56 yards. That's not bad. Right. But Justin Wilson, two catches, 42 yards. Um, MVS, uh, Valdez Scantling, two for 27. Noah Gray, two for 25. McCole Hardman, two for 13. Jarek McKinnon, one for 11. Sky Moore, one for eight. Kadarius Toney, one for four. Uh, Blake Bell technically targeted once, but he didn't catch it. And then Pacheo, three for negative three. You know, and I even you had the Kadarius Tony. He got hit in the numbers in the end zone and dropped it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the one thing that we've noted here for a while, you take Travis Kelsey out of the equation, slow mm-hmm. him down. However, yeah. you need to yeah. make him a non-factor. Kansas City is very beatable, and this is a division game. Yeah. And no matter how bad Denver is, which, by the way, 
Let's ride. Yeah. They were going to show up for this because it's division. And there's always been a great rivalry between Kansas City and Denver. Yes, there has. So, so there's a lot of pride in the game. And Russell Wilson, I think, was getting tired of hearing how he was written off. Sean Payton, too. Yeah. And I think that Wilson really didn't back up that claim. I mean, 12 for 19. 114. That's nothing sexy. Right. With three, yeah, with three touchdowns. Three touchdowns is sexy. Yeah, that helps. But I don't think it was anything to really be braggadocious about, if I may use Right, word. and even the running game isn't anything sexy. I mean, you look at 85 yards, oh, my God, okay, but no touchdowns, 27 carries. That average is 3.1 yards a carry. Mm. After that, it's like uh, Jaleel McLaughlin, 4 for 33. Russell Wilson himself, 8 for 30. You know, and then uh, Samaji Perrine, 1 for 5. Yeah, there's nothing really right home about yeah, it. Yeah, so the run game isn't there. The, the receiving game, I mean, you've got folks there. Jerry Judy's decent. Mm-hmm. Cortland Sutton's not bad, but after that, it's a steep drop-off. Oh, absolutely. So this should have been an easy game for Kansas City. Mm-hmm. It was not. And, yeah. you, and like I say, I agree with you, Pat. You can't write this off about the flu game for Patrick Mahomes. No, he's still for, through for 241. Yeah, exactly. So Like, like if it's like... 20 if it's like two of like 24 and he's only got like maybe 50 yards okay flu game yeah it clearly affected him but no like dude had the flu still completed 24 passes on 241 yards passing if he's that sick he shouldn't have played mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry we, yeah. we've seen other athletes play under certain uh symptoms yeah, yeah. and the rest is history so with this being said, Kansas City, I think, took them too lightly. Yeah. And they paid the ultimate price for it because this is a big loss for them. Could be a case of Kansas City was looking past them because we all know who they've got next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, hey, Denver, it's a good win for you. It's definitely a little feather you can stick in your cap. Does it mean much towards the season? Yeah, not much. Uh, but looking at the schedules they have for this upcoming week, of course, the, Miami, they are, the Kansas City Chiefs are – technically at home playing the Miami Dolphins, but it's over in Germany. Uh, so that will be at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on the NFL Network. Then, of course, obviously, the uh, week after, they're on a bye. Week 11, they come back, and that is the much-vaunted Monday night game between them and the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, and then week 12, they're on the road playing the Las Vegas Raiders. So that one could get interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for the Denver Broncos, this upcoming week, they're actually on a bye. They come back in week 10 on the road, Monday night football in Buffalo. A uh, week after that is uh, at home against the Minnesota Vikings. That one's on Sunday Night Football. And then week 12, they are at home against the Cleveland Browns. So a lot of exciting football yeah. for both teams uh, looking ahead. Yeah. And for Kansas City especially, they really have to right the ship quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to say that this is a panic moment, but this is a bad loss. It's It's concerning. It is very concerning because now... Denver gave the league the blueprint. Yeah. And especially when Detroit had beat them in the opening week, everybody said, well, Travis Kelsey wasn't playing. Chris Jones wasn't playing. Uh, They were both in this game. Exactly. They were both here now, and Denver gave you the blueprint. So how the Chiefs bounce back, that's going to be the story Mm -hmm. moving forward. Speaking of teams that need to figure out what the heck they're going to do moving forward, let's talk about my leap, the Minnesota Vikings. I chose the Minnesota Vikings to defeat the Green Bay Packers, which they did by the final score of 24-10. to 10. Uh, Kirk Cousins, 23 of 31 for 274 yards passing, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Jordan Love, uh, 24 of 41, 229 yards passing, one touchdown, one interception. Uh, Love was also the leading rusher for Green Bay, four carries, 34 yards, no touchdowns. 
Uh, Alexander Mattinson was the leading rusher for Minnesota. 16 carries, 31 yards, no touchdowns. K.J. Osborne led Minnesota in receiving. Eight care, eight catches, 99 yards, uh, no touchdowns. Jaden Reed led Green Bay in receiving. Four catches, 83 yards, and no touchdowns. And, of course, big story out of this one, Kirk Cousins done for the year. Yeah, torn ACL. Yes. Very bad break for Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And this one, I don't want to say it was too big of a shock. No. I think a lot of fans had predicted the Minnesota would win this. I mean, Green Bay is still trying to figure out if they need more than love. Yes. Because I will say this. Jordan did what he could do. Two, uh, 229 and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. But a Offensive lo- line didn't help him. The line did not help. And his wide receiver core did not help, in my opinion, either. <laughs> a lot of no. easy drops, which is frustrating for, I mean, let's face it, this is his rookie season. Yeah, yeah. I know that he's been in the league for a while now, whatever, but he's no longer under the shadow of Aaron Rodgers. The team is his. Preseason is a lot different. A regular season is a lot different than preseason. Mm-hmm. Almost said that backwards. Exactly, and that's the problem that they have right now is he's still trying to find his way. Right. He doesn't have a lot of talent. I'm, I'm going to say AJ Dillon's not bad. He's not bad, but like I say, in comparison to some of the other teams, like he doesn't have a lot of weapons around him. Right. I mean, I'm just looking at his receiving core: Jaden Reed, AJ Dillon, Christian Watson, uh, Dontavian Wicks, Romeo Dobbs, uh, Aaron Jones, Luke Musgrave. You know, for most of these guys, I, I'll take AJ Dillon out of that because I think AJ Dillon would have a decent percentage mm-hmm. of ownership in fantasy. The rest of these guys are going to be at like single di- single digits. Well, Watson, I, I think, in my opinion, hasn't really lived up to the hype this season. Mm, yeah, I know, I know yeah. he, he was, you know, supposed to have a breakout year. I, I haven't really seen it, in my opinion. But supposed to be a guy. Yeah, but I, th- I think in the comparison, it's not helping a quarterback that's still trying to find his group. Right. And especially, you almost need that veteran presence in the receiving room. Yeah, like that's where I say they would need somebody in there that's like not, really like, like not even like a like a. Uh, what is it? Uh, AJ Green mm-hmm. is for I don't know why first one came to mind, uh, but like a DeAndre Hopkins, AJ Brown, you know something like that. Like not even like that necessarily that level of a guy, but maybe like a guy who's been around a little bit. No, I think you hit it right in the head. Like not saying a Hopkins level, right? But, but somebody still. that's been around the yeah. league for a while, yeah. Because you need somebody that you can rely on, yeah. And I'm not saying that you need somebody to light up for 151 and two, right? You need somebody that's going to get you a solid 60 and maybe one. And I don't think he really had that here. And I think that no. that really hurt because a lot of that was drop passes. And the flip side, Minnesota did what they should have done. Yeah. They played very well, albeit, though, a horrible injury for Kirk Cousins. Yeah. So Jaron Hall is was coming she, into. Jaron Hall's the only one, without knowing who's on their practice squad, Jaron Hall's the only one they've got available right now because their only other quarterback on their starting roster is Nick Mullins, but he's on IR. And according to what I think Mike Florio said on Sunday Night Football last night before the game, he can't come off the off IR for another week. Mm-hmm. So this was week three. Next week could be week four. So you're going you, unless they sign. I know there was talk of like Case Keenum coming back, or even I know Florio throughout uh, Colt McCoy. Because Colt McCoy, I guess, has uh, some history with either the coach or the offensive coordinator. I think it's the OC. Because the, they were together in Washington for like four years or something. Mm-hmm. You know, So unless they bring in like a Colt McCoy or a Case Keenum, it's going to be Jaron Hall. It's going to be Jaron Hall, but I am going to say this, just throwing it out there. And anybody saying Tom Brady, fuck off. No, no. It wasn't going to be Tom Brady, but Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, I've heard that one. I've heard that thrown around. Because obviously we'll get into that game a little later. 
I think he's now been made very expendable. <laughs> yeah. And I think that now would be a time for Tennessee to make a phone call and see what you can get. Not saying they're going to get a deal like Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. Right. But I think they could get a lot of draft picks. Yeah. Uh, depending on where they want to go with it. Because right now Minnesota is at 500. They're still in the playoff contention. Right. But obviously without your starting quarterback, that is going to hurt. Uh, currently, as we record, they are in the seventh position in the NFC. Mm-hmm. But if they want to stay there, they need to upgrade the quarterback position. Like I said, Jaron, yeah. Jaron Hall might be the guy. Yeah, well, he could be. But we don't know. But I think in that situation, too, if you brought in somebody like a Tannehill, yeah. Yeah. that could help just at least get some pressure off him. Especially with uh, Jefferson coming back, I think, maybe next week. Mm-hmm. Got him on fantasy. I've, he's been sitting on my bench for at least three weeks. Right. But they're going to have their weapons back, so they need somebody to get the ball out to him. Yeah. Tannehill, say what you will. Yeah. If he's allowed time to throw, he'll get the ball down to you. It's just a matter of don't expect him to run and break plays at this age. I'm saying let's hope my fantasy waiver claim goes through because guess who was my backup quarterback in our one league? Kirk Cousins. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, because the Eagles haven't been on a bye yet, so I can't. Uh, I haven't sat Jalen Hurts yet. <laughs> yeah, that could, Fuck. Be, that could be a little bit of a problem. Fuck, I hope my claim goes through. Sure. Uh, but looking at the schedules for these two teams the next couple of weeks, uh, this upcoming Sunday, the uh, Minnesota Vikings are on the road playing the Atlanta Falcons. Then they're back at home playing the New Orleans Saints. On the road, uh, week 11, playing the Denver Broncos. That one will be Sunday Night Football. God help us all. Uh, let's hope there's flexing. Let's hope there's flexing by then. Yeah, flex is supposed to start, I think, next week. Oh, thank God. Flex that one the fuck out of there. Yeah. Uh, and then the week after that, uh, week 12, Monday Night Football against the Chicago Bears at home. Uh, for the Green Bay Packers this upcoming week, they are on the road playing the Denver Bronco. Or no, nope, sorry, that's the previous game. Uh, this upcoming Sunday, they're at home playing the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, then the following week, they're on the road playing the Pittsburgh Steelers. Week after that, they're back at home playing the Los Angeles Chargers. And then week 12, they're on the road playing the Detroit Lions. Those will be some fun games, but yeah. it depends on how the rosters are looking. Like That's going to be the real question, especially with Minnesota. Yep. I think they have a lot of potential. Green Bay... I don't want to say is on that same level, but I think if a few other things went in their favor, we, uh-huh. we'd be talking about them yeah, at, at yeah, four yeah. and three level, maybe. Yeah. But unfortunately, that won't be the case here. Mm-hmm. No, we're going to be talking about a game that oh, we have to talk about because when we're talking locks and leaps, and if anybody's not familiar, uh-huh. the lock is a favorite via the Vegas line. So yep. the minus whatever number. That's the decision that you think you feel good about, mm-hmm. that you're like, yep. They're going to win this game. Mm-hmm. And the leap is the one that doesn't have that nice minus sign mm-hmm. next to him. Mm-hmm. And this game, I took a flyer on because I did not like any game this week. This this game set offense back by about 50 years. No, but I knew after listening to the latest Gary Vaynerchuk vlog, I had to go with the J-E-T-S. I figured there was some reason behind you making this pick. Yep. Because this is so fucking out there, even for you. Well, my thing about it was, I'll, I'll give a little peek behind the curtain. I was going to go Kansas City, but you know my rule yeah. about division games. Yeah, that's true. I stay away from That's true. I don't I I never feel comfortable taking a division game in a lock and leap situation. See, but the thing is with at least with Casey and Denver, you can at least excuse it. Oh yeah, you can excuse it. Because up until yesterday and I forgot to mention this little stat factoid, up until yesterday, 
the Denver Broncos had not beaten Kansas City since 2015 Mm -hmm. when the starting quarterbacks were Alex Smith for Kansas City and Peyton Manning for Denver. Yeah, but that was on Peyton's twilight, too. Yeah, yeah, that was Peyton with the neck issues. Yeah, but this game was brutal, but I I thought if there was any safe bet to do here, the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 we're going to have a little swagger. Because Aaron Rodgers is looking like he's coming back next week. Oh, Christ almighty. Which is insane. I, I cannot wrap my head around that vision of him already taking drop steps to throw. Uh-huh. But here we are, and I go, there's one team that if the Jets are really going to be contenders with, they should beat easily. Uh-huh. And that is the New York football Giants. I know I'm going to get a lot of angry DMs about this, but I don't care. Yeah, you are. I'll, I'll be it, though. Yeah. The Jets won. Yeah, they did. Ugly. Yeah. Uh, well, Jets won by the final score of 13-10 to 10 in overtime. Uh, Zach Wilson, 17-36 for 240 yards passing, one touchdown, no interceptions. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, 4-7 for eight yards, uh, no touchdowns or interceptions. He, However, and I keep bear this in mind, there's a reason I'm bringing this stat up. Uh, he was sacked two times for uh, of seven, uh, seven yards loss. Uh, and then he got hurt partway through the game so they had to bring in the rookie undrafted rookie quarterback tommy devito formerly of syracuse oh uh, he was at syracuse that's why he sounds familiar yeah he played syracuse for a couple of years okay uh they brought him in he went two for seven negative one yards passing was sacked twice for a nine yard loss so the giants for a total finished a franchise low negative nine yards passing I had to read that like not seven times before I was like, wait, what the fuck happened? Yes, the Giants finished with negative nine yards passing on offense. Uh, for rushing, hey, Saquon did all he could. Uh, mm-hmm. 36 carries, 128 yards passing, or rushing, I should say. Uh, no touchdowns. Zach Wilson was your leading rusher for the Jets with four carries, 25 yards, and no touchdowns. Uh, Garrett Wilson, your leading receiver for the Jets with seven catches, 100 yards, no touchdowns. Darren Wall, Jesus Christ. Darren Waller was your leading receiver for the Giants. One catch, four yards, no touchdowns. Well, we he, will. He tied Matt Breida one catch, four yards. We will not spend a lot of time Oy. on this game, folks. So we'll just keep it very short and sweet. The Jets did what they needed to do, albeit though their offensive line took some very bad hits, as I'm reading from ESPN. That whole team took injuries because, and I'm trying to find the thing. I saw a, a photo or or a, a thing the other day, just about all the injuries they had yesterday. There was like seven or eight people who went down mm-hmm. in the, down in this game total between both teams yeah that like at one point the jets were down to their third string center Mm -hmm. well the jets lost connor mcgovern and uh wes schweizer um for both were hurt in the game and that's and uh schweizer is the starting right guard so this is not something that you want to hear especially if aaron Rodgers coming back but listen let's give him his due Uh uh-huh zach wilson is playing adequately yeah he's not lighting up the scoreboard but he's finding a way to win ugly and that's the only thing that you can really be excited about if you're a Jets fan because he's buying time till Aaron Rodgers comes back and then you're going to really see what this team is capable of but if he can keep them around that 500 level Mm -hmm. then that's probably the biggest win that they could do in his absence because let's face it everybody thought the Jets were going to fold 
and they're somehow rallying to win, even though you're hearing a lot of nonsense, whether you want to believe it or not. Right. Players are unhappy. Everybody's complaining on the sidelines, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. If you're still 4-3 and three at this stage, considering everything that's happened, that's a big win. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a big bucket of win. And then as for the Giants, well, we do know this. The, the trade uh, deadline is coming up this Tuesday. Yeah. They've already made one move, sending Leonard Williams to Seattle. Which is interesting. It's very interesting. Good for Seattle. Mm-hmm. And I think that the Giants, well, let's just hope we get to the end of the season. Yeah, and hey, uh, Giants defenders, make sure you turn around when the ball's getting thrown your way. Yeah. Boy, that was bad. Uh, looking at their schedules for the next couple of weeks, uh, this upcoming uh, Monday, I should say, uh, the Jets are at home playing the Los Angeles Chargers, so that'll be on Monday Night Football. Mm-hmm. Week after that, they're on the road playing the Las Vegas Raiders, and that'll be on Sunday Night Football. Uh, and then a week after that, they're on the road playing the Buffalo Bills. Uh, and then week 12, they are at home against the Miami Dolphins. That one is on uh, Black Friday, it looks like. Mm-hmm. So that one will be on 3 p.m. Eastern on Prime Video. Interesting. Uh, and then for the Giants, you, this upcoming Sunday, they are on the road playing the Las Vegas Raiders. After that, they're on the road playing the Dallas Cowboys. Then they're on the road playing the Washington Commanders. Bum, 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 bum. And then week 12, they are at home against the, the New England Patriots. Well, I mean, if you're a Giants fan, I mean, you got games to go to. Hey, at least Saquon's performing. Yeah, that's the only thing. Tickets will be cheap. Yeah, we'll see where if he's still in a uniform by the end of this week. Yeah. I'm just saying it could happen. He could get moved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there could be a lot of teams of interest, especially one that's on the rebound. Woo-hoo! And, boy, there's a lot to talk about. This was probably my favorite game of the week. This game was nuts. Because it was absolutely crazy, and that is I took them Bengals. Mm-hmm. To upset the 49ers. A ballsy roll. It was, but sometimes you got to roll them dice, and man, did it pay off. Yeah. Let's talk about it. So the uh, Cincinnati Bengals defeated the San Francisco 49ers 31-17. to Joe Burrow, Joey B, 28-32, uh, 283 yards passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Brock Purdy, 22-31, uh, 365 yards passing, one touchdown, two interceptions. Uh, Brock Purdy, also your leading rusher, uh, eight, six carries, 57 yards, no touchdowns, beat McCaffrey out by three yards, in case you're curious. Uh, Joe Mixon led Cincinnati in rushing with 16 carries, 87 yards, and one touchdown. For receiving, Jamar Chase uh, led Cincinnati in receiving because, duh, yep. uh, 10 catches, 100 yards, one touchdown, and then George Kittle led San Francisco in receiving because, duh, uh, nine catches, 149 yards, and no touchdowns. There is a rumor going around that ever since Kittle took the shirt off that said uh, F Dallas, they have lost. and That might be true. There might be a curse in place. Uh, the only thing that I knew about this is Brock Purdy did not look good um, in his last couple games. Looked it up on the schedule. Factually true. They, yeah. they beat Dallas. They're now 0-3. Yeah. And I know he took the bad concussion. He did not look good in this game, and I know he took another bad shot late. I heard something about this, yeah. He got sacked, and yeah. he, he went down hard, yeah. and then he immediately, like, it looked like he bounced his head off the turf, yeah. and he immediately grabbed his head. Yeah. At that moment, I thought it was bad that somebody did not take him out for a play. Uh-huh. Like, I'm sorry. Even yeah. if he said, like, I'm okay. Head injuries. Ain't nothing to fuck with. Exactly. And I don't care what team you're on. I'm sorry. If somebody grabs their head like that, you need to pull them out for a play. Yes. It, in worst case, McCaffrey could have done a direct snap and run. Right. I'm sorry. There's no reason he should have suffered more. And I don't know his status now. I'm hoping he's okay. 
this game really came down to Joe Burrow proving why he's an elite quarterback. He looked great, and he had no problem running right through the San Francisco 49er defense, which had played amazing. Uh-huh. But if you can get out to a jump start on them and have such a balanced offensive attack, which he did with Joe Mixon getting the ball running too, this is a team that we all were writing off for dead and now is coming back to life. Yeah. And for Cincinnati, they're getting hot at the right time. Currently sitting at 4-3 and three and tied with the Browns, Jets, uh, Browns and Jets and Steelers. Steelers are in the sixth position, four and three. Browns are at the seventh position, four and three. Jets are in the eighth position, four and three. And then Bengals are also there at the ninth position, at four and three. Mm-hmm. And they're getting hot at the right time. They're, they're coming back from the injuries. Like I said, Joe Burrow is starting to look like Joe Burrow. Yeah, yeah. Jamar Chase, he's always open. Hashtag 7 mm-hmm. And he did a great job, too, especially against this defense, which is, yeah. which is arguably the best in the league. Made him look like Swiss cheese. Mm hmm. And it's not to say that Purdy and company had a bad game. Right. But I think what happened is there was a sequence of events late in the third, early fourth, uh-huh. where we had bad, bad, dueling interceptions and really sloppy play by right. Purdy. Right. And I don't think, I, like, I, I'm not sure exactly how to read it because there's part of me that goes, he's pressing himself too much. Right. Because I know he threw an interception uncharacteristically deep in the end zone. Mm hmm. And I was like, why are we doing this? And then, obviously, he took that bad shot. Right. And then you have to wonder, like, was he really, you know, fully there to, you, right. know, they, you know, there wasn't more going on. And I'm like I say, I'm not making any excuses for him. This is just stuff that I'm watching on the screen play out. Uh-huh. And, and I just thought that he was really pressing too hard, and Cincinnati was waiting on him. Like, he did not look like the Brock Purdy we've known. Right, right. And just very uncharacteristic you know, mistakes. Right. And like I say, I hope, you know, he's a hundred percent healthy and he's ready to come back and rock and roll, but just saying like to have a bad game like this, I know people were already in the media. were already writing him off. Right. Stop. This is a bad game against a playoff worthy team. I mean, the thing you also got to remember is he is in his sophomore year. Yeah. And he was Mr. Irrelevant. He was the dude who's not supposed to be here. Mm-hmm. He's the, he's the dude who's supposed to be like the perennial, practice squad guy who bounces from team to team and is like the emergency third string quarterback in case shit goes sideways well hey guess what happened in san francisco last year shit went sideways Mm -hmm. and now he's the guy and let's face it he had a meteoric rise last year sure where he did not he came in and didn't lose a game for like how many weeks up until the uh, nfc championship game weeks or something like that yeah something like that you know the only loss he technically suffered it's it's on his stat log is is the nfc championship game last year but admittedly he didn't play most of that so can you pin that on him and eh, not really but then he didn't really suffer his first loss you know in the regular season up until cleveland a few weeks ago mm. so he's learning there you know there the film is being studied by these defenses and these coaches and these coordinators you know it's like you see in any sport when a guy comes in and you don't have tape on him they're usually going to perform pretty well, usually not for this long, mm-hmm. but you know, you'll see them perform well. And then the great ones will figure it out, adjust and get better. And the other ones won't. So we'll see what happens with Purdy. Everyone's been ready to crown him the guy and he's, he's it. He's the one for San Francisco. For me, he's looked good. Am I ready to say he's the guy for San Francisco? Give me a couple of weeks and we'll see what he does with the, any possible adjustments. Mm-hmm. If he doesn't adjust and it's more of the same, sorry, he's not the guy. Yeah, I think that he'll be okay. I think that this team is too talented to be not playing up to the potential it has been. Right. 
And I think this situation is a very good wake-up call for him. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. if anything, you take a look at the defense, and this is where I kind of think you have to kind of shift most of the blame on. Only three sacks in this game. Yeah. And they were putting pressure on Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. But when you're letting Burrow be able to pick you apart, yeah. especially with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd, right, who nearly put up 200 yards by themselves. Yeah. Of a two, of a combined two eighty three, that is a very telling sign. And we've always said they have a great wide receiver core, but when you're not making plays to stop them, right, that puts a lot of pressure on your quarterback that did not play up to par and was really th- just looked out of it from this game. Like uh-huh. you say, uncharacteristically sloppy yeah. with handling the ball. So moving forward, they're going to have to make some adjustments quick uh-huh. because the rest of the NFC West is catching up to them. Yeah. And then for Cincinnati, this is a huge win for them, especially going into a highly emotional game next week. Uh-huh. Let's talk about it. Yeah, so the, uh, this upcoming week for the Cincinnati Bengals, they are, where the heck is Sunday it? night. Uh, hold on. Yep, there it is. Uh, Sunday night against the Buffalo Bills. That'll at be home. At home. Uh, week after that, they are still at home playing the Houston Texans. Week 11, they are on the road playing the Baltimore Ravens. That will be on Thursday Night Football, so that'll be 8-15 on Prime Video. Uh, And then week 12, they are at home against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, And then for the San Francisco 49ers, they're actually on a bye this upcoming week. Mm -hmm. Uh, Week after that, week 10, they are on the road playing the Jacksonville Jaguars. Week 11, they're at home playing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then week 12, they are at, or excuse me, on the road playing the Seattle Seahawks. That'll be on Sunday Night Football on NBC. Well, San Francisco's bye could not come at a better time. Yeah, agreed. And I think they'll be very well regrouped to take on Jacksonville when that happens. Uh huh. And then, obviously, that Sunday night game against Seattle just took more precedent than uh-huh. I think anybody realizes. Yep. On the flip side, like I was alluding to, that is going to be a highly emotional game on Sunday night. Yeah, it will be. Because of what the unfortunate situation that happened last year. Yep. And, like I say, that is going to be one that – I know a lot of people are going to be tuning in this There'll season. There'll be a lot of eyes on that. Absolutely. Uh, so then going around the league, obviously we're recording on a Monday, so we don't know the final score of the uh, Monday night game. Raiders versus Lions. We're going to go out on a limb. 134 to 125. Take the over. Uh, take take your pick on which one gets which. Yep. Jared Goff, uh, a thousand yards passing. Uh, then you had the Thursday night game where your Buffalo Bills defeated the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, twenty four to eighteen. Very lucky win for the Bills. Fuck, I should have started the Bills defense. Very very lucky one. Uh, they were up ahead and second half, uh, completely day night team here. Mm. And <laughs> for some, once, yeah, it's something. It was very scary to see uh, Mike Evans uh, start lightening up late. And then if Chris Godwin turned around, they were tying that game. Those perfect Hail Mary and just Chris Godwin yeah. didn't pay attention. Hit him, hit him in the numbers, but just the wrong side of the numbers. Definitely will take the win, though. Uh, you had the Dallas Cowboys whoop the L.A. Rams 43-20. to The only thing of note was this. Allegedly, Aaron Donald said, I'm ready to come to Dallas. Oh, uh, allegedly. Good goddamn. There was there was some kind of comment I saw come, good, come across social media. Good goddamn. I, I don't know, but oh, if, they, God. if that's the case. That's Fucking scary. I know. I apologize to Dre Driven, who probably just fell out of his chair where he's listening to this right now. About You're going to get idea. a DM so fast. Yes, I will. But Dallas looked great. Uh, this was a really solid win for them. Dak looked good, and they're going to need this momentum moving forward. Just, just keep that same energy in the second half there, Cowboys. Yep. All I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you had the Tennessee Titans defeat the Atlanta Falcons 28-23. to Will Levis. He had a day. Yeah, he did. 
He had a day. <laughs> uh, he equaled the season lead for passing touchdowns for the team in one game. Yeah, this was absolutely crazy to see. Three of them went to DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, if he can if he can keep this momentum up, and granted, it's only after one game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tennessee has a bright future, but we have to wait and see. After one game, I'm not willing to crown him, but that's what I say. Ryan Tannehill might be expendable now after one uh, game. Could be. Uh, then you have the New Orleans Saints defeat the Indianapolis Colts 38-27. to Not a pretty game. No, not at all. Not at all, so good win for the Saints. Good game for Carr. Uh, then you had the Miami Dolphins beat the New England Patriots 31-17. to uh, This game they, they, uh, went about the way I thought it would. It was close early, though. I, I will say that. It was only 17-7 uh, to at halftime, which I was like, oh, okay, so this is better. You know, Patriots tried to make a comeback in the second half, but then the Dolphins are like, oh, right, we're the Dolphins. Uh, kudos to Tyreek Hill. He's got 1,000 yards receiving in eight games, which is the first time in the history era of the Super Bowl era that that's happened. Mm-hmm. You know, so kudos to him. What sucks for the Patriots is they are now without uh, their receiver Kendrick Bourne. He tore his ACL, so Ooh, he, that's bad loss. He has he is done for the year. Yeah. Uh, so we're now down Matthew Judon, Christian Gonzalez, and Kendrick Bourne. But hey, at least we got a top five draft pick going for us. Yeah. Well, you, yay! You you can find you know a diamond in the rough yay? next year. It'll be it's. I know it's uncharted water. Yeah. I'm not meaning this making no. Make, I know. Light. No, it's it just, is for the Patriots is something in Miami. Well, I mean Miami did what Miami does. Yeah. So beat, they beat a team they were supposed to. Yep. It's those teams there that you don't know. Exactly. So yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, then the Jacksonville Jaguars defeated the Pittsburgh Steelers twenty to ten. Bad injuries happened here. Yeah. Uh, the Maserati I know came in, uh, just unfortunately he's not in Buffalo. So is he really the Maserati? Uh, also, Deontay Johnson, uh, enjoy the light uh, paycheck this week. Yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles defeated the Washington Commanders 38-31. to Bum, 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 Yeah. Uh, you know, Philly did Philly things. Uh, it hurts with four touchdowns. A.J. Brown, eight catches, 130 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, thank you for my fantasy team. I mean, they're making an argument whether in the conversation for best team in the league. Uh, Jalen Hurts, 319 and four. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then you had the Carolina Panthers finally win a game this year and defeated the Houston Texans 15-13. to I'm sorry for anybody who was at this game. This it was just This was as brutal as the Jets and Giants game was. Yeah, it was. Late minute field goal. So, I mean, at least that makes uh, it interesting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then you have the Seattle Seahawks and their sick throwbacks. Yes. Let's give a shout out to those throwbacks. Those throwbacks. They're amazing. Awesome. Uh, defeated the Cleveland Browns 24 to 20 and took uh, possession of first place in the NFC West. Highly contested game. We'll say yeah. this was a lot more entertaining than I thought it was going to be. Good win for Seattle, though. Yeah. Uh, and then the Sunday night game was where the uh, Los Angeles Chargers defeated the Chicago Bears 30 to 13. Man, I felt bad for Tyson uh, Bagnet because mm-hmm. he was trying his damnedest to win, and there was slips, there was drop passes. Th- this game should have been a lot closer, in my opinion. The Chargers, well, shocker to us all, yeah, showed up for Sunday night. <laughs> Two ninety-eight and three from uh, Justin Herbert. Yep, Austin Eckler had a game, mm-hmm. uh, seven catches, ninety-four yards, and Oof. a touchdown. Oof. I mean, twenty-nine on the ground, but I mean, that ain't bad. I mean, allegedly still over a hundred. Yeah, so it's still over a hundred, but I mean, at the end of the day, uh, the Bears have a uh, quarterback controversy, I guess. But I would not be. Eh, it's one week. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't be saying the sky is falling. I think the kid was throwing as best he could, but there was a lot of yeah. drops, and yeah. and I know especially there was a sequence of events before they scored the first touchdown. Somebody dropped it wide, wide open in the end zone, uh-huh. hit him right in the numbers, and it bounced out. Yeah. 
somebody else ran, but there was a holding call. They got called back. Like they had chances to really put up points in this, and they just never got the momentum going. Uh-huh. And the Chargers, well, they showed up for a week. So congratulations. Yeah. yeah. A lot of interesting football talk going on for week eight. We're about at the midway point. It's crazy, crazy to think about. But we definitely want to keep that conversation going with you. So hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts coming out of week eight? How is your team looking? Are they talking Super Bowl or are they talking NFL draft? Let's have that discussion, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Do not adjust your dial or, well, your phone, your watch, or whatever the heck you're using to listen to the awesome podcast you're currently listening to. I am the Duke of Nerds, Tyler Mack, and I am here to tell you that being a nerd can be a bit overwhelming, especially after 30. Life moves pretty fast in our nerd culture, and if you don't take the time to notice things, you miss out. That's why I'm here. As your Duke of Nerds, I am charged with educating and enlightening and entertaining you on all things nerdy. I do it by running the 30 and Nerdy podcast. 30 and Nerdy is a bad cast company production and currently playing wherever you cast your pod. Follow along each episode using the hashtag 30andnerdypod and check out what all is going on at 30andnerdypodcast.com. Whether it's DC, Marvel, comics, or video games, I have got you covered. So tune in now. Cheers to you, nerds. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. And we have to talk about arguably the biggest event going on in Atlanta Entertainment. Yeah. Because yeah. we have movies, we have TV, and comics all happening at once. But one thing definitely got social media buzzing. Uh-huh. And that was the latest episode from Disney Plus and Marvel Studios' Loki Season yeah. 2. Yeah. The Tom Hiddleston-led show has definitely been polarizing to fans. Yeah, yeah. We have had a very mixed reaction to it thus far. Mm-hmm. And going into this latest episode, we had a lot of questions of where things were going. Well, yeah. Because... In more than one way. Yeah, because this season has been all over the place. Uh-huh. And obviously, if you deal with the subject matter at hand, time travel, yeah, things get messy. Yeah. They get completely all over the place. So it has been a little hard to find, and especially after last week's cliffhanger ending... Uh-huh. We all had questions about where everything was going involving Tom Hiddleston's Loki, Sophie DiMartino's Sylvie, mm-hmm. and o- Owen Wilson's uh, Mobius M. Mobius, which is still weird to say. Yeah. And obviously they have been trying to find Jonathan Major's uh, variant of Kang the Conqueror, which is now in the time stream to go fix things because the TVA is completely out of whack. Uh, as the saying goes, they're up Shit's Creek without a paddle. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, you have Gugu Mothbara as Ravona Renslayer and Miss Minutes, voiced by Tara Strong, having their own agenda at hand. Mm-hmm. So going into this episode entitled Heart of the TVA, what we like to do here at the ODPH is if this is your first time listening to us, uh, first and foremost, thank you for checking us out. Leave a review on your favorite podcatcher. Uh, we do appreciate it. It helps the algorithm. We like to give a spoiler-free statement of what we're going to talk about so we don't ruin anything for you. So if you haven't seen the episode yet, and from what we just kind of gave you was just a rough idea, so I wouldn't say that was a spoiler, what we just gave for the intro. Mm-hmm. We like to give you spoiler-free statements about what we're going to talk about. At the end of this, we give you a countdown. After said countdown, it is fair game to talk about whatever we want to talk about. So if you have to duck out for whatever reason, we make it very easy for you to do that so we don't ruin anything. And then you can jump back into this podcast and listen to our thoughts about the episode. And that way, you're caught up to date. 
so you won't have to miss anything. Yeah. It's so easy, Pat. It's yeah. so easy. So that being said, give me your spoiler-free statement about the heart of the TVA, episode four of season two of Loki, Pat. Best episode of the season thus far. Mm-hmm. You know, I won't say it was, you know, a smash hit, grand slam, you know, perfect in every way, shape, or form, but it was a step in the right direction for me. This is kind of what I've been waiting for the entire time. You know, not necessarily kind of the... Oh, the, the on the edge of your seat, you know, the kind of craziness and the this and that, but just like a okay, forward moving, we're we're stop messing around in the muck and kind of staying in place and spinning our tires. No, the tires are clean. You know, we've hit the ground running, and it feels like we're finally after, you know, three previous episodes. You know, we finally got things going, and, and I enjoyed it. I fully agree. I think this is the strongest episode they've had to date. We mm-hmm. have a direction at least. Yeah. I'm, it might not be the one I was thinking we were going to go in, but I think it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And at least we're building towards... Something. Yeah. Which, obviously, dealing with the subject matter at hand, yeah, it's kind of a good thing. Yeah, yeah. So, I am excited to see where we go from here. Um, but I'm just, I'm really perplexed at the direction. Yeah. But at this stage in the game, I will take... A bad direction over no direction. Yes. So a lot of good acting to discuss about this episode. So let us get into that as well. It's definitely worth the watch. So that said, Pad, three, two, one, talk to me. Like I said, the episode was probably the best one they've done so far. You know, it, it's not a smash hit for me, but I enjoyed it a lot. You know, the the twist with Renslayer was interesting. I, I, was, I was like, oh, okay. I, I was happy to be wrong about that one. You know, and then just kind of the craziness and, and running around and trying to figure stuff out and, and you know, just everything about it. I really enjoyed it. It felt like it, you finally had a little bit of a direction where that direction is headed. I'm not quite sure. I'm trusting, you know, the folks that be, you know, the, the directors and the producers and the writers who are in control of the wheel of the car to take me in the right direction or at least in an enjoyable direction. You know, so I'm here for the ride, but, you know, where quite the destination is, I don't know. Miss Minutes is evil. Yeah, she is. Oh, my God. For anybody that thought she was going to be a very sympathetic yeah. character. Yeah, no. Sympathy is not in her name. I for- Holy smokes. I forget what scene that took place in, but there was one scene where something wicked was happening. And they didn't. And, and she was in the background and you could just see the fucking grin on her face. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's a twisted individual. Yeah. AI or not. And boy, did that ever shine through in this episode. Yeah. Right from the beginning, because as we left last uh, episode, there was a cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. And the cliffhanger was that Ravona and Miss Minutes were stuck at the end of time with the remains of He Who Remains. Yep. No pun intended. And Miss Minutes kept teasing that she knew something about Renslayer that Renslayer would not want to know about. Mm-hmm. And we finally get that secret revealed right from the get-go. <laughs> they did not wait. No, they did not. And, Pad, what was that secret? That was uh, Renslayer not only worked with He Who Remains, that Renslayer was in charge of uh, his army. Yes. So the army <laughs> that turned out to be the TVA was just completely complicated uh-huh. to what everybody had thought. To put it mildly. Because under the orders of He Who Remains, Miss Minutes mind-wiped everybody literally so that they would have no idea about what was really going on yeah that is some next level nonsense right there mm-hmm. but yeah, that's it, a, that's like some ultron level stuff mm-hmm. but it works so at the same point the temporal loom is what 
everybody is trying their damnedest to hold together. Yeah, because if this thing goes, everything goes. And when I mean everything, I'm not just talking the TVA. I'm talking like all of existence. Mm-hmm. This is the universal timeline that everything is kept together. But this, this, is the, this is the glue that's holding everything together. Mm-hmm. And right now they need a gorilla glue. Everything is all separated. Everything is splintered because of all the time activity that's happened. Now the Kang is running crazy. Yeah. So Loki and company have this idea about using the MVP of the show, by the way, Ouroboros mm-hmm. uh, weaponry to solve the problem that is at hand. Yep. And Ki Hu Kwan is absolutely crushing it in this Love role. Love him. Oh, he's fantastic. So good. So he has something which is the thoroughput multiplier, uh-huh. which is supposed to solve everything. Cut reasons. It's, it's yep. scientific reasons. I don't fully understand it, but he says it, and I trust him. I trust him completely. He also gets introduced to Victor Timely, uh-huh. who is played by Jonathan Majors because he is a variant of Kang. Both have a bit of a fanboy moment. Mm-hmm. And you see that the knowledge that Ouroboro has had mm-hmm. it comes from Timely. And Timely got the information from Ouroboros. Yeah, so it's a weird time is a circle thing, I uh-huh. guess. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But they do have the fanboy moment. It's a great moment to yeah. kind of break up the tension yeah. that's going on here. Yeah. And they more or less say that they want to create a paradox mm-hmm. that, uh, or it is creating a paradox with, yeah. with Timely being there. Yeah. So it is an interesting play that they're happening because it's just like, okay, we have a fire going on. We're going to put more gas on it and hope that it just burns itself out. Yeah. If you're not familiar, paradoxes and time travel stories are typically something you want to avoid. Mm-hmm. But since Timely is now there because he's been taken out of his time. Because they need him because to access the doors to get outside to fix the temporal loom, they need uh, he who remains uh, aura. Mm-hmm. And the only way they're going to get his aura because he who remains is dead is they find this variant of he who remains because he's got the same aura. So, oh, hey, perfect. This will work. Yeah. So it is kind of an interesting play of events. Because you have the two stories playing parallel to each other, mm-hmm. and that's Renslayer versus Loki. Yeah, and what they're all planning on doing. Because now Renslayer knows the truth. Yep. And you see an edge come to her character, which Mothra Raw plays very well. Good lord! But you do see that this is—I I, want to say—kind of more in line with the character of the comics, because Ravona is very polarizing in the comics, in my opinion. But you do see her taking up the mission of Kang. Yep. And they are basically saying, well, we need to take over the TVA. We need to reform the army. We need to get yeah. back to business. She, she gets the information from Miss Minutes and to borrow a line from Seth Rollins. She didn't sell out. She bought in. Mm-hmm. So they go and approach everybody that has been captured, I uh-huh. guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. From the TVA. And, yeah. this, and this is also going back to uh, Breaking Brad himself. Yep. Agent Wolf, mm-hmm. and also the person that was responsible for the original uh, search for Renslayer, yeah. and that was Dox. Gen- General Dox, played yeah. by uh, Kate Dickey. Dox and all of the forces that they were able to capture, because mm-hmm. they did say some got away. Yes. So now they have gone into the room with them where they're being detained, uh-huh. and they literally said, okay, you're either with us or you're against us. Well, and this, this is right after... Docs and and uh, Brad mm-hmm. have that like heart to heart, and they start to hey, you know what? Why you know we we've kind of messed things up. Things are kind of not looking so good. Why don't we do the right thing? And in you know, and it's like that little moment in stories where in comes the little devil on your shoulder telling you to do something else. Mm-hmm. And, and in this case, the devil would be Ravona. Yes, and Rafael Cassell, who plays Brad 
uh, Wolf, a.k.a. Hunter X5. Mm-hmm. Such a, a slimy villain. Oh, he's a sneaky son of a bitch. But he's great, though. For, oh, for, yeah. for what he needs yeah. to do, he's great because yeah. he's, he's flipping sides on everybody. He's he's going to flip again before the end of the series. Mm-hmm. Oh, completely. Tell, calling it now. So you see Ravona literally say, are you with us or against us? And the only one to go with them is Brad. Well, he here's the thing, though. He does, technically, yes. But he doesn't say anything. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't motion. He just happens to be standing at the right place at the right time. Because when when Ravona activates the device we saw from break the Breaking Brad episode, mm-hmm. you know where they were going to entrap him and, and squish him to death and all this other stuff, Ravona activates or maybe Miss Minutes, whoever it is, activates it. Oh, it's Minutes and and encapsulates General Dox and all of her loyalists. He's just standing in the right place. Because it's like a couple of inches or maybe a foot or so away from where he's standing that this thing gets activated. And it's the most gnarly, gruesome killing scene in the entire MCU's history to date because you never see what happens. No, the only thing you see is Miss Minute's reaction. Yeah. Uh-huh. Proving how psycho she is. She's a fucking whoa, crazy. Yeah, yeah that's easy. <laughs> I'm sorry to make everybody's microphone pop right there. That's literally how she is. Yeah, And, you, and here's why I say Brad's going to flip by the end of this. Because you watch his reaction as this is going on. He's not comfortable with this. No. He's going along with it because, hey, he's in it to save his own ass. Let's, mm. let's face it. You know, he's effective at saving his own ass, if nothing else. But you go back and watch the episode and watch his face, and he is not happy about what is being done. No, but he has now declared his side, whether he wants to or not. He's, a, he's an associate. He's mm. an accomplice. So they now make their way to go find... Victor Timely, uh-huh. because he is apparently the key to everything here. Yep, yep. And we do see a very unique standoff happening between him and Hunter D90, uh-huh. played by Neil Elise. Yeah. And we see that he gets evaporated, or what they... Well, because what, well, what happens is, is uh, what is it, Morbius, Loki, and Sylvie lead, leave OB, um, the other guy... I forget. I forget who it is. It's the Casey. Casey and Victor Timely to go fix things, and they want to go off. and And of course, Mobius being Mobius, is goes, "Let's go get pie." Yeah. And Sylvie's like, "What are you fucking nuts? Like the world is coming to an end, and you want to get pie?" He's all about his pie. He's all about his pie. But so inevitably, Mobius or not Mobius, Loki and Sylvie end up there. They share some food, whatever. They end up back in the room, and Mobius went and instead of getting pie, he got hot chocolate. He got hot cocoa. And and uh, what is it? Timely saw this and went, oh, well, no, that's interesting. What is this? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's hot chocolate. You get it from a machine. And all of a sudden, just the fact that he said a machine that makes hot chocolate, uh, Timely being the inventor he is, has got to see this thing in like now. Yeah. So they can't leave. They can't leave him alone because they know Renslayer's running around this place. So they send Hunter D90 to go with him. Like, yeah, take him to the hot chocolate machine. Let him get some hot cocoa. And then the antics and so. Mm hmm. So, Timely is kidnapped by yep. Ravona and company. Yep. You see that Loki and Sylvie are trying to make a rescue attempt. Right. Which I will say, this is all slightly confusing uh-huh. because of all the parts involved. Well, yeah. So, they, they go to try and rescue Timely. Mm-hmm. But the issue they're running into is Ms. Minutes, up until this episode, has been MIA from the TVA. Right. She's been off with Rensselaer. Now that she's back in, in the house, she's got control of the uh, uh, the power, the power box. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the 
whatever you want to call it. So she's messing with shit. And all of a sudden, they're getting locked out of everything. They can't use elevators. They can't open doors. They can't get anything to work. So the, so one of them comes up with the idea, oh, hey, why don't we do a system reset? Yeah. You know, why don't we reset the entire system? It'll lock her out. It'll sort things out, and we'll be able to get moving. So they then reset the system, you know, to reset the power or whatever it is, and it and it shuts down Miss Minutes. Yes. So a big enemy is taken off the board. For now. For now. But you do see where Sylvia and Loki have to reenact the scene where they're trying to sneak uh, to go get Timely, and Loki has to evaporate himself. Right. Which I thought was very interesting how yeah. they set it up. But now it took, things... it took me a minute to understand what was going on, and then it clicked. I'm like, oh, that's what this Okay. Yeah, so it's interesting how they played it out because we didn't really see this since, what, episode one? Uh, yeah, episode one. The other thing, too, is right before we got to mention is right before Miss Minutes leaves, she does get one more you know, jab in the side of the stomach there. Mm-hmm. Uh, she looks at, I think it was Renslayer or whoever it is, and goes, you'll never be him. Yeah. It's a very interesting Ooh. Ooh. footnote, but like I say, Miss Minutes, just what a heel. Yeah. What a yeah. heel, as in villain in pro wrestling, if you're not familiar with the term. But this is a situation that now you see that everybody is you know, finally ready to make the move. Uh-huh. Sylvie has to work some magic literally on Brad. Cool, because the other, that's the other thing that happens when, this, when they reset the system. It turns off the dampeners or whatever it is that makes magic not available. Mm-hmm. And, they're like, and they're explaining to Sylvie and Loki who are together, like, what are the, they're like, oh, but if it happens, we'll be able to use magic. Loki and Sylvie look at each other, pause, and just yell, do it. Yes. So we do see Sylvie control Brad uh-huh. with the enchantment powers that you see with the Enchantress, kind of, yeah. in, in, a, in a degree, which, uh-huh. I mean, it, it does work. And he winds up evaporating Renslayer. He croons her, yeah. Yeah, which is didn't, wild. Didn't see that coming. Yeah. I, I had no idea this was going to happen. I thought, that was like, great. I was like, okay, this works. So now Timely is saved. And they now have the idea of he has to be the one to go out in the contamination suit, right? And use the th- thoroughput multiplier to fix everything. The only concern they have is that the entire time they've been trying to fix this thing, the energy or whatever you want to call it has been building. Yes. So whereas episode one, it was oh you can get there and back, you know you'll be fine, just don't dilly dally. Now it's. Well, you got to get out there and qu- fast, uh, out there and back faster, mm-hmm. and so that that's the only concern they have is like, hey, you don't have long, right? Which timely is volunteering to do. Which I will say this: if they telegraphed one thing, uh huh, it was this, yeah, because he was insistent on being the one to go out there, right? And I know some people are bringing up. Uh, and they're remembering all of the Infinity Stones mm-hmm. from the first season. And why didn't they use the the Space Stone and just portal from there, portal to the Space and portal back? The thing you got to remember is the Infinity Stones don't work in this plane of existence. Right. They're they're literally just paper paperweights. Yeah. I, I know that's getting brought up a lot, but I just want to point that out. No, great catch on that, Pat, because that is true. Like we, it was it, It's about- a good theory, but the Infinity Stones don't work here. Plus, I mean, let's face it. If it was that easy... They would have done it already. They would have done it. Yeah. There would not be anything going past one episode. Yeah. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. But it works here because, obviously, the power of the Infinity Stones is taken out, so they have to have somebody willing to sacrifice themselves. Uh-huh. Loki was the one willing to do it. Yep. But Timely is insistent on being the one to, yeah. to do this. Now, you could say it's it's him being a brave scientist. Maybe he feels some sort of guilt. I mean, it's possible. But I just thought about how focused he was to do it 
Like he knew what was going to happen. Maybe, maybe. I kind of chalked it up to maybe some sort of guilt because you got to remember when he stepped through that portal from the past and ended up in the TVA, mm-hmm. The what was the first thing he saw? He ended up in the meeting room or the whatever you want to call it. Yeah, conference the, room. The conference room where Loki had shown up, pruned the wall or whatever you want to say, and revealed the three faces of he who remains. Yes. And he saw himself, mm-hmm. and he and he kind of put two and two together. And I'm sure he and I think he was told that like, hey, yeah, you, you know, your future self helped, or a variant of yourself helped create this. And he maybe feels some sort of guilt, like, all right, fuck, I kind of, you know, in a roundabout way, helped contribute to this this mess. Yeah, see, I the way I took it, I'm not saying you're wrong, right? The way I took it is he knew what was going to happen. And he wanted to pick up where Renslayer left off. Maybe. That's the only thing I could think of because the minute he gets outside. No, not even a second. Yeah. He turns into spaghetti. Fucking shredded. Yeah. So he is literally evaporated before he can do anything with uh-huh. with Ouroboros' weapon. Yeah. So at this moment, it's the final goodbye yep. because everybody, we're talking Sylvie, B-15, yep. Mobius, Casey, OB, Loki, have all accepted we're, they have we're failed. Dead. We're dead. Yeah. And they are now waiting for the loom to explode, which it does. It does. And the last parting shot of the episode is you just see this energy wave take everybody out. Well, and it gets close to Loki, but that's where it cuts out. Yeah. And that's how the episode ends. Yeah. So a lot happening here. I love the little back and forth between Renslayer and Miss Minutes. Yes. I, I like how they gave a direction there that – they're so committed to Kang uh-huh. that they're willing to go to extreme measures to really give this this series a real true villain. Yeah. Because obviously Kang will appear at some point, I would imagine. You have to figure probably either the uh, the end of the next episode or the final episode. Right. But until then, they're at least keeping how he is in control of everything going forward. Yeah. And for Loki, who... I will say I've been kind of critical about how he's been portrayed as the anti-hero. Sure. I did not mind him in this episode. I thought, uh, neither did I. I, I thought they wrote neither him very I. well. I thought Hilson's acting really elevated the scenes up. Yeah. And just going into that final moment where you're seeing just, you know, how determined they are to win. Yeah. And in true fashion, they get to the finish line, but they fall short. Yep. Perfect. Absolutely perfect. Great episode. So now going into next week, Pad. Any predictions about what's going to happen? I'm expecting it to be like this out of time experience where they're sort of like, you know, they're not alive. They're not dead. They're kind of in between, you know, and then maybe it's like a retrospective of like what could have been and what could be just because they're outside of time. They can they can kind of look into the past, look into the future kind of thing before it finally resolves. You know, we get whatever we get. What comes out of that? I have no idea. I know there's some fans speculating online about what the end of the universe and its possible reset means, you know, hey, which is fun to think about. But I don't want to necessarily put the cart before the horse in this instance. Mm-hmm. But I, I think next week's episode is going to be this kind of like out of time, out of body experience thing with with the characters. I'm almost wondering, and I have not seen any any of the trailer. I know they released a mid-season trailer. Uh-huh. I'm wondering if they get saved by Immortus. Mm-hmm. That you have him pull everybody out of time. Could be. For reasons. And then what if, it, what if it's the Watcher? I mean, that would be a hell of a move if they wanted to do it. But with the Watcher. Watcher's and, set up from uh what if. Right. So they could do that. Yeah, you could get you could get uh the the guy I forget the guy who plays it. You could get him for an episode. Yeah, I mean you could. I mean the only thing with that that gets tricky is the Watcher is only there to make note 
but only gets involved if it's the universe ending, which would make sense. Which, in this case, the universe is ending. Right. But Jeffrey Wright is the actor. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, he's great too. Yeah, like I'd love to. I'd I mean, love in this, to see in this, that. And let's face it, he's already broken his number. If you watched What If, he already broke his number one rule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's done. Well, he, he's already broken that. Well, rule. Watu does that all the time. Yeah, like it, it's hysterical to think that he's supposed to have a code because yeah. he breaks it all the yeah. time. Until uh, was it original sin, but that was a whole different ball of wax. <laughs> but with this, yeah, he'd be great to pull him out. Like if somebody saves him and it's a Watu, like that would be great. I yeah. think I think the internet would be very happy. I'm not yeah. gonna say it's gonna break. But I think if you if we see a live action watcher, that's going to lead to a lot. Yeah, and then we with two episodes left, and this times perfectly going into the Marvels. Yeah, it does. Is do you think that we're going to have any connections there? Or are we going to have everything separate? I mean, there's there's a lot. Of moving I see. Parts. I don't. I don't think so. Just because the villain or the the villain kind of in the shadows with this is the same villain or variant we saw in quantum mania. And there's been no connection to that whatsoever. Hmm. And I figured we would have had at least something, you know, not necessarily like a direct connection, but like it would have been referenced or something at some point, you know, but we've, we've not even had any mention of what happened in quantum mania. So outside of maybe like a a teaser clip at the end of uh, the, the season finale, you know, I wouldn't expect anything. Yeah. It's tough to say. I mean, they could try lining it up. I mean, I know yeah. they, they used to do that with Agents of the Shield. By the way, Agents of the Shield is part of canon. You're not going to tell me different, Marvel. <laughs> that they used to line it up with the TV shows and the movies. So, I mean, it is possible. I yeah. I just don't know what they're going to wind up doing because obviously, with everything going on with SAG uh, and the strike, fingers crossed, is over this week. Could from be all signs pointing to. Could be. Um, you know, the schedule for shows is up in the air. Yeah. So, depending on how they want to get things back on track. I think that's throwing a, a few things off. I wouldn't doubt, though, they're going to start kind of tying everything together to some aspect. Right. Because I fully think the Kang Dynasty, I'm still staying to my original thought, is going to be Avengers Forever, the comic book series. Oh, okay. okay. I, th- I think that's going to, no matter what anybody's saying differently right now, I think that's what's going to wind up happening. Good day. But I think this is going to be interesting to see how they set the pieces in motion. I do think they get saved by somebody. Yeah. But the question is who? Yeah. I'm going to say Immortus just for argument's sake, but I do like the Watcher opinion. Yeah. But with two episodes left, they got to tie up a lot of loose ends. Unless we're going to go to season three, which could be announced. Yeah, it could be. That could be. I, th- I think at this point it's pointing to season three just because there's too much going on for them to wrap it up in yeah, two, two episodes. I agree. This, this is like a good. Unless middle- you unless you announce like a Loki movie, which, again, I don't think anybody would complain about. No, but I think this show works better in the small doses. Yeah. Like, I think a movie with Loki, as much as Tom Hilson fans would love to see it. <laughs> oh, yeah, they would. I like I, just, I don't think it would connect as well. No. I, I think for him to be the lead. It's perfect for doing cinematic shows, uh-huh. and I think how they have it set up for Disney Plus, like that's a big win for him, especially with the new stack quote coming in place. Yes, that we're hearing about that we might get another season of Loki, and this might change some plans moving forward. But yeah. it's still nothing but win. They're still doing their best imitation of Doctor Who that they can, uh, albeit though is nothing like the real thing, but still the best episode to date thus far. Yeah. So that being said, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about Loki, episode four of season two entitled Heart of the TVA? Let's discuss, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Scott Snyder, and you better listen to the ODPH podcast or I'm coming for you and Batman is coming for you. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast, Pad. 
What you got? Got a couple of things to talk about. Going to start with some sports, and obviously we got to talk the local minute. And looking at the standings for the Federal Prospects Hockey League, that is, of course, the uh, minor league hockey uh, league our local Binghamton Black Bears playing. Still early in the season. However, through six, game played, six games played, the Binghamton Black Bears still in first place uh, with a record of four wins, no losses, and then uh, two uh, losses or shootout losses in overtime. Uh, they are ahead of Dan Barry, who have a record of three wins, three losses, and uh, nothing in overtime. 14 points to eight points. Uh, they've got Elmira, Wytheville, and Watertown behind them. Uh, looking at their schedule from this past week, they had three games this past week, first of which was on Thursday. They were on the road playing the Elmira River Sharks, where they lost in overtime by the final score of 4-3. to three. Came back on Saturday uh, at home against the Watertown Wolves with a big win, Nine to five. Ooh. Uh, and then they were back on the road Saturday playing the Watertown Wolves where they won again. Final score of five to three. Uh, looking ahead to this upcoming weekend, uh, they are just got the one game uh, that's coming up this Saturday, seven o'clock Eastern. They're on the road playing the Danbury Hat Tricks. Don't worry, though. You don't have to long to wait before they return home. They're uh, returning home Friday, November 10th uh, against the Carolina Thunderbirds. They got two games at home next week, Friday and Saturday, both against the Carolina Thunderbirds. Let's go. So for more tickets, information, all that good stuff, BinghamtonBlackBears.com. And we got to talk a little bit of soccer and some unfortunate news that's been going on and definitely send our thoughts and, and well wishes out to this player's family. Got to talk a little bit about Liverpool and specifically uh, Luis Diaz because this situation is absolutely nuts. Yeah, this... Oh. So reading from an article on CNN.com, it says, quote, a major search operation is ongoing to find the missing father of Liverpool FC player Luis Diaz after his kidnapping in Colombia on Saturday. Diaz's mother, Clinis uh, Mar- Mar- Marulanda, uh, was also kidnapped at the same time, but later rescued in the town of Baracas, Colombian President Gustavo Petro wrote on Twitter. General uh, Willem Rene Salamanca uh, Ramirez, director of director general of the Colombian National Police, said 130 officers from various police departments are part of the search team looking for Diaz's father, Luis Manuel Diaz. Ramirez said the teams are searching the rural area around uh, Baracas, the parents' hometown in northern Colombia, and a reward of up to 200 million pesos, uh, that's $48,500 U.S., is being awarded for information that helps lead to Diaz's rescue, according to a statement on Twitter. In addition, Colombia's military forces said it deployed more than 120 men, along with two motorized platoons, an unmanned aircraft, checkpoints, helicopters, and a plane with a specialized radar to help with the search. National media reported that Diaz's parents were kidnapped by armed men on motorcycles at a gas station in Barrancas. Ramirez later posted a video on Twitter of his phone call with Diaz explaining the land and air operation deployed to find his father. CNN has reached out to the Colombian National Police Force, uh, uh, Police and Military Forces for comment, quote, we ask the captors of Luis Manuel Diaz, the father of Luis Diaz, to release him now without conditions. The Colombian national team wrote on X, football is peace, Lucho, we are with you, Colombia is with you. Speaking with Liverpool's 3 to nothing Premier League win over Nottingham Forest on Sunday, head coach Jurgen Klopp said Diaz has returned to Colombia and the club is doing what it can to support him. Uh, Diego Jota, Diaz's Liverpool teammate, held up the Colombian's number seven shirt after his goal on Sunday. Quote, 
How can you make a football game really important on a day like this? Klopp told reporters after the game. It's really difficult. I never struggled with that in my life. It was always my safe place. Sometimes my hiding as a player or as a coach. You are allowed during these 90 minutes to just focus on that. And if it was impossible, absolutely impossible to do that. It was clear to me. It was clear we have to give the game an extra sense, and it was fighting for Lucho. Then the boys put out the shirt, and I was not 100% prepared for that, to be honest. It was really touching, but wonderful as well. Close quote. Uh, prior to Sunday's game, Liverpool released a statement saying it was aware of an ongoing situation involving Diaz's family in Colombia. Close quote. So absolutely horrific situation. Definitely sending well wishes and thoughts out to uh, the, the the entire Diaz family, and we're, we're hoping for a safe return. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, it's just heartbreaking. Yeah, just I mean, I, I, I'm at a loss for words. Oh, I know. For that it, kind it, of... it, it's nuts, and especially when you know he plays in in England and and it's half a world away. Mm. That like you you find out your parents have been kidnapped. Yeah, and, and you don't know what's going to happen. Crazy. Uh, switching to some breaking news, uh, we got some Major League Baseball breaking news. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, and coming to us from an article on MLB.com from Brian Hoke, the 2023 Roberto Clemente Award winner is Aaron Judge. Oh, let's go. Okay. Uh, so the article reads, quote, all rise for Aaron Judge, the 2023 recipient of the Roberto Clemente Award. Uh, the Yankees captain on Monday received the prestigious honor, which annually recognizes a major league player who best represents baseball through extraordinary character, community involvement, philanthropy, and positive contributions on and off the field. Judge will be in attendance for a ceremony held prior to game three of the World Series at Arizona's Chase Field. Close quote. Good for him. Yeah, so uh, what the, the way this award works is it's kind of like the uh, uh, Walter Payton Man of the Year Award with the NFL. Every team submits a player for uh to win it and one gets picked aaron judge won it this year so hey kudos to him absolutely uh and speaking of the world series gotta talk a little bit about the world series because it has been absolutely fucking bonkers uh currently the series is tied uh one game apiece to both texas and arizona game one went the way of texas uh in 11 innings where you had adolis garcia continue his uh historic uh, postseason hit a, mm-hmm. hit another home run. Goddamn, Corey Seager hit a bomb as well. Insane. Texas won six to five. However, Arizona not going down quietly. Came back uh, on game two to win it nine to one. Put an absolute whooping on Texas. Holy fuck! Uh, Jordan Montgomery six six innings, nine hits, four earned runs, uh, one, one walk for Texas. Uh, Texas put up sixteen or not Texas. Arizona put up sixteen hits. Goddamn. Uh, yeah, so that's insane. So we got game three tonight. It's taking place tonight in Arizona. Uh, game time is at 8.03 p.m. Eastern on Fox. We've got Max Scherzer on the on the uh, bump for uh, Texas going up against uh, uh, Arizona's pitcher, whose na- name I am not too familiar with, so I'm pulling up that right now. Brandon uh, Fat F-A-A-D-T. So definitely give that a watch and then maybe check out the highlights, but absolutely crazy. No, absolutely. I mean, it's baseball season, especially yeah. like I say in the sports equinox. It's it's crazy. I know it's not making a lot of headlines too because it's Texas and it's Arizona, right? But, but it's been great baseball. Yeah. So that's something that we have to take in yeah. to effect as well. Uh, fl- before we duck out of sports, we have, obviously have to talk NBA full yeah, weekend session. Yeah. Uh, anything really jumping out to you as like a surprise out the gate pad? I mean, I know for me it's not. Yeah. How badly fucking Steph Curry cooked Devin Booker last night? That was incredible. Holy fuck! If you have not seen the highlight, go watch that highlight. No. Oh my God! Yeah, it's... Devin Booker is dead. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or Dylan Brooks, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, Dylan Brooks. Dylan no. Brooks. 
Devin Booker is still doing okay with uh, Phoenix, but I would oh. say, but yeah, but Dylan Brooks, Dylan was, Brooks, holy shit, he got cooked. Yeah, that was embarrassing. But that's how Golden State's playing. I mean, right now, uh, the top eight uh, for the Western Conference is looking Denver at three and Yeah, New Orleans right behind him at two and Yeah, same with Dallas, Phoenix, Golden State, Sacramento, L.A., Oklahoma City, Minnesota, and the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, one and two, rounding hey, out the. Well, the well, and how about uh, CP3 coming off the bench for, I think, it's maybe tonight's game, sometimes some recent game here uh, with, uh, I don't know, what is it, uh, Draymond Green uh, entering the starting lineup again. Yeah. That's crazy. Golden State's making a lot of interesting moves out the gate. Yeah, like I yeah. say, it's just the personnel-wise is, is kind of very, very telling that's happening. Mm-hmm. But like I say, for right now, I mean, it's way too early to tell, but Denver's looking like they just picking up right where they left off last season. The Pelicans are the surprise right now. Mm-hmm. But Grant is way too early about going in with that. Mm-hmm. Flipping the Kings over to the East, and the surprise right now is Orlando Magic leading yeah. two, two nothing over everybody with Indiana and Boston as well as being the last of the undefeated. Detroit and Philly are two and one, even though that Philadelphia Joel Embiid trade talk with the Knicks is heating up. Ooh, so uh, did finger- we maybe put something into existence? I think I, don't know. I think we might have. So if we can make that move, I will be extremely happy, and I apologize for the amount of obnoxiousness I will be on social media that day. Uh, but I'm fingers crossed it's going to happen because especially with the Knicks uh, being one and two right now, especially they've looked really good. They're they're playing a lot better than their record is. Mm-hmm. The opening uh, game against Boston, though, horrific officiating. Oh my god! Well, I've, and well, and just some of the highlights I saw: fucking Julius Randle not being able to hit a basket while standing on the, the dock of an ocean. Yeah, holy shit! He's he's uh, they got to move him. I don't know where they can send him. I'm hoping Philly takes him, RJ Mitchell. Fournier and get all of them for Joel Embiid. Take Put, James Dolan while you're at it. Oh, please. Everybody needs to go out and buy a James Dolan CD. So he or just go it. to the Sphere. Yeah, just go to the Sphere. Go to the Sphere and ask you want to see a Dolan concert at the Sphere. Yeah. You want a residency. No, no, we need to up this. It needs to be a residency <laughs> at the Sphere for the entire basketball season. He owns season. the fucking thing. He can do that. I know. That's why I say he needs to do this. So I'm, I'm, I'm putting this in, out in existence as well. We need him away from the Knicks as much as possible. Also, I'm going to say this right now. The Sphere was a baseball the other night for the World Series. Uh, that base, The baseball even being that big, Joey Gallo would still find a way to strike out with it. <laughs> He's not, Pat's not wrong, folks. He's not. Nope. And obviously, we got to talk a little quick NHL, and the only thing that matters to us those New York Rangers six and two. Hell yeah, West Coast swing. Let's go. I hate the start times. I do too. Ugh. But you know what? I will take it. They've been looking great, uh, playing tonight against Winnipeg, and they got to keep the wins going. But like I said, I love them being at six and two. Jersey's right behind yeah. them at five and two, and Carolina at five and four. But listen, it doesn't matter. It's Blue Shirt Nation all day, every day. That's the only thing we care about hockey wise here on the ODPH Network. Mm-hmm. That being said, let's go flip it over to the entertainment and take this home. Yeah, so unfortunately, got some unfortunate news to mention. I uh, had two noted members of uh, the entertainment world pass away this week, uh, the first of which was Richard Mull, mm, uh, passed away yeah. at the age of 80 years old, probably best known by a lot of folks uh, for Bull. Uh, Bull on uh, Night Court from 1984 to 1992, but he was also a very extensive voice actor. I personally knew him as the voice of Two-Face in Batman the Animated Series. Uh, he also did the voice for Batman the Brave and the Bold, so definitely a huge loss and will definitely be missed. And as I said with when Kevin Conroy passed, you know, thank you for my childhood because because I would not have gotten into comics and, and the whole genre, you know, were it not for Batman, the animated series. So anyone who was a part of that is a huge reason why I got into comics and, and superhero stuff. 
No, he was fantastic as Bull. Yeah. Like, I mean, I remember growing up and watching Night Court. And sure, just, sure. I love, I love the brilliance of that show. Mm-hmm. The, the new version is not bad. That's, I, what, I, that's what I've heard. Yeah, no, it's it's surprisingly, for being a remake, it's surprisingly better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah. But you can't touch the original cast, and he just his comedic timing oh as being Bull was just absolutely insane. Right. Like, he, is, he was brilliant. And then to take that acting to voice... And just give Harvey Dent mm-hmm. that that unique, you know, character. Mm-hmm. Just it still haunts to this day. So I mean, yeah. obviously, on behalf of us, our, our deepest condolences to his family, friends, and yeah. fans all over the world. Man, that uh, what yeah. a le- what a legacy, though. Yeah, and then another shocking loss we had just a couple of days ago as we record was, of course, uh, Matthew Perry passed away at the age of fifty four. Yeah. Of course, best known for being Chandler Bing on uh, two hundred and thirty five episodes of Friends, which ran from nineteen ninety four to through two thousand and four, and and this one shocked the hell out of me. You know, I went with my fiance and her friend to go see the Taylor Swift movie because they're both Swifties and wanted to go see it. You know, and the credits started rolling, and I opened up social media. This is the first thing I saw, and it's a good thing there were only five of us in the theater because as loud as I yelled, oh, holy shit, uh, somebody would have been concerned. Mm-hmm. The, shocking, to say the least. You know, nothing has been reported as to, you know, whatever, what the cause is. I know that the latest news today as we record is that uh, the uh, coroner has deferred, you know, basically deferred the the results or whatever they're like they're not which basically means they're not 100 percent sure what the cause is and mm-hmm. that they have to do a little more research and look at some stuff more before they make a final summation on what happened but obviously a huge loss and and this is one that like you may not have met the guy but just for how the show was you know friends you know it was a group of friends living together and everything they went through it felt like you knew the guy and it, and it felt like you were you were his friend for all of those years so huge loss and he will be sorely missed yeah to grow up and if you watch that show uh-huh you know you, you definitely got connected with it yeah and it's something with his comedic timing too yeah was always a character that stood out amongst the the six main leads mm-hmm and uh, dabbled in movies after a little bit. Well, had a couple things, yeah. Yeah, a couple things. Nothing really, you know, that took off as much as that show. But no. but then again, it's it's a tough thing to transition out of such a hit show. Mm-hmm. Like very rarely does everybody make the breakout. Yeah. Uh, moment happen. Like, yeah. I mean, for that show, yeah. Obviously, it was Jennifer Aniston who's the one who who stood away from everybody. Yeah. But and became you know a mega star uh, with movies. But yeah. But for Matthew Perry. Yeah, you know, it's a tough loss, and especially, you know, just with the legacy he left, too. Yeah. Because, like I say, if you grew up watching that show, and I know it's on reruns for for the rest of time. Yeah, it's it's on uh, Nickelodeon every night, and I know they've been, they've been doing a uh, tribute to uh, Matthew Perry. Yeah. With Matthew Perry-centric episodes. Yeah, he's, he's just the comedic uh, signature that he has. Mm-hmm. Like I say, very few people ever come yeah. close to that. So. Yeah. You know, once again, our, our deepest condolences yeah. out to his family, friends, and fans all over the world. And if you haven't seen Friends and you kind of think about going to do it uh, since Matthew Perry passed away, all of these seasons are streaming on Max. Yes. Uh, so then moving over to some more streaming news, it was announced uh, by the folks over at Variety in an exclusive that Amazon and MGM Studios are working on a Girl with the Dragon tattoo series. 
Uh, oh. so the article reads, quote, the girl with the dragon tattoo series is currently in the works at um, Amazon MGM studios, uh, has found its showrunner. Variety has learned that Vina Sud uh, will head up the series, which will begin, which will be set in the world of the so-called Millennium novels, originally written by Stieg Larson. Variety previously reported that the series was in development in May 2020, though no showrunner was attached at the time. It was originally reported to be a new standalone story about one of the novel's main characters, Lisbeth Salander, uh, but current plot details remain under wraps. Amazon MGM Studios will produce, along with Left Bank Pictures, which is based at Sony Pictures Television, uh, close quote. So this is super interesting just because I haven't read the books, mm-hmm. but I did see there was the Daniel Craig movie in like 2000, the like mid 2000s. I saw it in college once. The movie was good. Yes. You know, I know they did a reboot or a reimagining or something like a couple years later. I never got around to seeing that. But the Daniel Craig movie I particularly enjoyed. So I'm, I'm interested to check this out when it comes around. Yeah, I don't know how this is going to translate, to be honest with you. Sure. Could go a lot of different ways. Yeah. Uh, and then switching over to some movie news, and this is not entirely surprising, but, you know, it's good to get some confirmation. Uh, and that is the Fantastic Beasts franchise has been parked uh, by Warner Brothers, and this is according to the, its director, David Yates. Uh, so reading from an article on HollywoodReporter.com, it says, quote, Warner Brothers has cast an immobilist spell on Fantastic Beasts. Director David Yates gave an update about the beleaguered franchise, which halted after three of its five planned films were released. Quote, with beasts for a minute, it's all just parked. Yates told the Inside Total Film podcast. We got to the end of the third film, 2020's Fantastic Beasts, The Secrets of Dumbledore, and we're all so proud of that movie. And when it went out into the world, we just needed to uh, sort of stop and pause and take it easy. Close quote. Yates claimed the entire idea of a five film franchise wasn't the studios at all. It was initially planned as three films, and he suggested the saga's author and Beast's trilogy screenwriter J.K. Rowling made the announcement of a five film plan without much of the creative team knowing ahead of time during a media event for the first film, 2016's Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Quote, the idea that there were going to be five films was a total surprise to most of us, Yates said. Rowling just just mentioned it spontaneously at a press screening once. We were presenting some clips of uh, Fantastic Beasts 1, and uh, we'd all signed up for Fantastic Beasts 1 very enthusiastically. And Joe, bless her, came on and said, oh, by the way, there's five of them. We all looked at each other because no one had told us there were going to be five. We'd committed to this one, so that was the first we'd heard of it, close quote. It should be pointed out, however, that Warner Brothers never corrected this statement or gave any indication that five films wasn't the plan, despite five being cited in media stories for years afterwards. Also, it's clear that, especially with the second film, 2018's The Crimes of Grindelwald, uh, that the franchise creatively seemed intent on following the uh, villainous wizard, first played by Johnny Depp, then Mads Mikkelsen, storyline through his climactic, as yet unseen confrontation with Dumbledore, played by Jude Law. Then the ending of Secrets rather unexpectedly seemed like an attempt to wrap things up. Added Yates, who is currently promoting his new crime drama, Pain Hustlers, I haven't spoken to Joe. I haven't spoken to David Heyman, producer. Uh, I haven't spoken to Warner Brothers. We're just taking a pause. It's quite nice because it allows me to do stuff like pain hustlers. But I'm sure it's that at some point, uh, Newt Scamander may well be back. Who can tell? We haven't had any in-depth conversations. Close quote. So 
a little surprising that we're getting confirmation that it's kind of on hold, but not entirely surprising. The first one did fairly well at the box office, and then each successive film did less well at the box office. Mm -hmm. You know, and it kind of took an interesting direction because the first movie was around this character, Newt Scamander, and him finding beasts and and about them and, you know, what happened. And then it kind of went off in another direction. Like, oh, hey, we're going to focus on Dumbledore now. Yeah. You know, so... If you haven't seen the third movie, like it kind of ties it off in a way that, like, yeah, okay, you can see it as being the end, and if you know what happens later in the story, then you're fine. But like, inter- interesting to read. Yeah, it's definitely gonna be something to keep an eye on moving forward. Yeah, I really don't know where exactly it's gonna go, but well, the only thing we know is they're working on the quote unquote reboot series or whatever it is, but that's not expected for like ten years. Yeah, so that's why I say it's gonna be a while. So yeah. it's kind of you know up in the air where everything's gonna wind up landing, but yeah, definitely something to keep an eye on moving forward. Yeah. And for me, I mean, one quick thing before we get into comic talk, but it is relating to this week. Oh, my God. Amazon Prime, the wait is finally over. It's a place to be. Invincible Season 2 is going to be kicking off. So, obviously, the adaptation of the classic Robert Kirkman, Ryan Otley book is going to be returning finally to the small screen. Super excited to see this. Forever and a day. Yes. Uh, we will have something on odphpodcast.com later in the week about this uh, because uh, I really want to make sure what I can and can't talk about uh-huh. with, with that screener status. I see what you're saying. So, yeah. So, I want to make sure that we're we're dotting our I's and crossing our T's right. So, as soon as I make sure that uh-huh. is all good, we'll have a lot more to discuss about it. Have not seen the show. I had to look it up on IMDb because it's been a hot minute. Have oh, not seen the, have not seen the show since the season one finale aired on or dropped on April 30th, 2021. Yep. So, it's been like a year and a half. He, or as I should say, Kirkman. No, two and, and a half. Sorry, two and a half years. Yeah. Kirkman has been really delicate with this, as he should be. Because oh, yeah. If you're not up to date about Invincible... Mm-hmm. I mean, it is one of the most noteworthy comics of recent memory. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of superhero readers, yeah, this is a very influential modern day book that a lot of current writers and artists are influenced by. Mm-hmm. And it's a very detailed story. It's something that you know always jumps out as well yeah and like i say this is something that when it was getting adapted we were all kind of wondering how it was going to play out right it's really living up to the hype kind of you know diving into its own vision but it still holds up to the ideals that you really like with the book mm-hmm. and like i say the book um by Corey walker ryan otley and robert kirkman just fantastic stuff top right. to bottom so if you haven't checked it out highly go to your comic shops highly recommend it uh, I know at some point we're going to talk about it on Turner Page. I don't have a date for that as right, well, but right. it's it's in the discussion. But in the meantime, like I say, go watch the first season quickly on Amazon Prime. Yeah, it's it, only eight episodes. It's eight episodes. It moves very fast. You can get caught up to speed right, and then just for Friday or you know, probably nine o'clock on uh, Thursday. Uh, That's what they like to do. Yeah, a couple times they've they've dropped an early release. Now, Almost every time recently. Yeah, so we can't confirm that, but that's why you just got to make sure you have your subscription up to date. I'll say if you go check at like 9 p.m. Eastern or whatever time uh, on Thursday. Yes, so you definitely have something to watch there. Yeah. But since we're talking comics, let's take the show home pad. What are we picking up at the shops this week? Uh, this week from the folks over at DC, Batman, Catwoman, The Gotham War, issue number one, Scorched Earth. Uh, this one is going to be nuts. 45 pages. 
45. Uh, this one is the final chapter of this epic crossover is here and Batman and his family must find a way to overcome the endgame of an ancient enemy. Can the bat and the cat set their differences aside? Is this the end of the bat family? Lives change forever in this action-packed conclusion. Have you been keeping track of this? Uh, passively, not actively. It's going to be nuts. This has been a very, very interesting story. Mm-hmm. So I, with Chip Zdarsky kind of leading the way about this, yeah. uh, I know Teeny Howard has, has been yep. writing as well, too. Yep. This story has had a lot of twists and turns coming out of Night Terrors. Mm-hmm. So how they're going to wrap up things is going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. And, but there is like a couple elements that I like, a couple elements I haven't liked with the story. I'm going to be doing a deep dive about this on odphpodcast.com parlay points this week. Mm. So definitely stay tuned for that. Uh, then from the folks over at Marvel, you got Avengers issue number seven from Jed McKay. Uh, this one says, all new story arc starts here. The Avengers defend the world, but are they beginning not to recognize the world as their own? What has happened to Earth's Mightiest Heroes and what has happened to the Vision? Uh, So super interested to see what happens with that. Also, you've got Doctor Strange issue number nine, also from Jed McKay. Uh, This one says, with General Strange's endgame in sight, Doctor Strange must confront the man he would he could have been. Uh, But everyone has their own agenda. Can the Vishanti be trusted? Is Wand capable of uh, changing for the better or will they return to their black ops roots? Which Strange will Clea side with? It all comes to a head as the battle for the soul of Stephen Strange begins. Hmm. This is going to be nuts. Yeah, Doctor Strange has been a little, I mean, it's usually a little crazy of a read anyway, mm-hmm. but this this current run has been something of note. Uh-huh. And then finally, from the folks at Marvel, it's finally here. Ultimate Universe issue number yeah. one from Jonathan Hickman. This one says, The Spoils of Victory. After the world-shaking conclusion of Ultimate Invasion, a new team of heroes band together to save the future. From mastermind Jonathan Hickman and superstar artist Stefano uh, Caselli, uh, don't miss out on this foundational issue for the new line of Ultimate Comics. I am so fucking here for this. This is going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm excited to check this out. I mean, ever since the Marvel Next Big Thing panel at New York, like mm-hmm. this has been something that has been on my radar, yeah. so I'm definitely excited to check this out. Then uh, from the folks at Star Wars and Marvel, you've got Star Wars issue number 40 from Charles Soule, uh, which you can't go wrong with that. Uh, you've got Droid Disaster, a dark droid's tie-in. The worst has happened. Lobot, one of the greatest heroes in the Rebel Alliance, has ever has ever known and close friend to semi-reformed scoundrel Lando Calrissian, hmm. is lost. Lando returns to the Rebels to ask for their help, but can he convince them he's not a traitor? Hmm. Hmm. Super interested to see that. Sir, and lastly, and certainly not leastly. From the folks at Disney and Dynamite Comics, Gargoyles issue number four from Greg Weissman. Uh, This one says, it's a busy day at Castle Wyvern. Uh, Demona studies to become a gargoyle priestess and Goliath is given an important title, which makes uh, Iago and uh, Hippolyta jealous. But things are about to get even busier when the younger gargoyles curiosity leads them into a dangerous cave where an unhappy evil lurks. Uh, this riveting tale of Gargoyles origin by writer and Gargoyles creator Greg Weissman and artist Drew Moss continues in this 40 page issue, which includes a new text story from Weissman and all new cardstock covers featuring art by uh, Clayton Crane, uh, Alan Qua, uh, Mirka Andolfo, Kenya Danino and Erica Henderson and more. Hmm. Super excited for that. Yeah, I know. You've been all over the series. Love Gargoyles. Like I say, everything has been coming out of that uh, dynamite print there has been really so hitting good. the marks. Yeah. 
I've definitely got to start diving into it, but you know I me, mean, my pile of books to read is, a mile high. is is getting bigger and bigger each week. And I'm not complaining about it, mind you, but I just have to <laughs> yeah. budget my time. And that's, right. that's obviously been the biggest hiccup of all. So taking a look for me this week, a lot is coming out on Comixology Originals. Back with a double shot this week that you don't want to miss. The All-Nighter mm. returns with issue number 11, Chip Zdarsky, Jason Liu. This series is going to be the final run of the book. Okay. So it's the closing arc. Expectations are super high for me. I have really enjoyed the series, and it's been something that's combined the supernatural with superheroes. Okay. And it's it's a very cool read. The print version is out right now via Dark Horse Comics. You don't want to miss that if you haven't read it already. That'd be a great pickup this week. Mm-hmm. And then issue number eleven is dropping Tuesday, so definitely super excited to check that out. Also, Comicsology Originals Black Sight number two. Stephanie Phillips, Connor Boyle, Tom Napolitano. This is a wild, wild series. Mm-hmm. I mean, issue number one completely blew me away, and where they're going with the story of Alex Greer is, I, I have no idea, but I'm all in about it. So super excited to check that out. Uh, also, from Image Comics, No One, number six. So finally, the murder mystery haunting the Massiverse, try saying that three times fast, is back in full swing. Super excited to see that. Kyle Higgins. Brian Bussolato and and Geraldo Borges on the book, and that is a must-pick-up each and every week that drops. So I am super excited to jump back into that. Also, a new podcast episode will be coming out, too, as well, for uh, Who Is No One. And for even more picks from IDW, Boom Studios, uh, more Marvel, Image, DC, um, like I say, the list goes on and on. Nerdinitiative.com, Wednesday morning, 9 a.m., starting out. We got a lot of great uh, picks this week from the bullpen, so if you want to know what to pick up at the comic shop, make sure you're following that as well. And also on odphpodcast.com because we got a lot of blogs, too, that are going to be deep diving some of those books we just mentioned. So stay tuned for that, dot, dot, dot. And as always, make sure you go out and support your local comic shops wherever you're at because there is nothing better than walking into a shop, talking with your fellow fans, and getting some great books to read. Mm-hmm. For anything and everything that is the ODPH, you can find it at odphpodcast.com. That's it for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Fuck the Astros. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Oshadoro Parlay Hour. See you next time. Gotta beat down to the punch. Gotta beat down to the punch. Cause they can't bring me.